Hello and welcome to the Desperate and Appalling podcast series. My name is Paul Sloan and together with my co-author Des McHale we've written a number of books ranging from uh, lateral thinking puzzles, mathematical lateral thinking puzzles, world's best word puzzles, one, two, three, four, wacky, witty and wonderful words are some of the books we've written. And in this series of podcasts, we chat about puzzles, situations, words, anything that takes our fancy. So please sit back, enjoy the podcast. And if you like it, come back and listen to some more. So hello, Des. How are you today? Very well this morning, Paul. Good, good, good. Well, last week in our last episode, we left our listeners with a couple of puzzles. Uh, and one of them concerned the numbers, uh, four separate digits, positive digits, which if you multiply together or added together, you got the same answer. Hmm. Do you want to reveal an answer or answers to that? Well, this is a very nice puzzle, and it turns out to have a unique answer. There's just one set of numbers which does it, and it's one plus one plus two plus four, that's eight, and one multiplied by one multiplied by two multiplied by four, that's eight as well. And that's the only answer to that problem. That's very good. Very good. Okay. Um, and I set a puzzle as well, which is the famous Moses puzzle. Moses was the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He was also the daughter of the Pharaoh's son. And this stumps most people, though it didn't stump you, Des. You got it out. Well, I'm very pleased because it's a good puzzle because I got it out. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, people think it's about sex change or transgender or some weird biological thing, but it's not. It's about ambiguity in the English language because the second sentence is ambiguous. And the second sentence, he was also the daughter of the Pharaoh's son, means exactly the same as the first sentence. He was the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. So in the second sentence, he was the daughter of the pharaoh's son he was still a son in the second sentence and in the same way that every man is the daughter of his grandfather's son because the daughter of his grandfather is his mother so everyone every man is the daughter of his grandfather's son but no man is a daughter and mm. um, and the, the the reason that the puzzle works is because you, the brain processes the information sequentially and i say the second sentence slowly i say he was also the daughter of the pharaoh's son and then your brain processes and you reach the stage he was the daughter and then you, you your brain goes into a jam mm. yeah it's about it's grouping really it's the way in which you group the words together and yes. it reminds me of a, a menu item which i actually once saw and it was half fresh grapefruit now you can read either as half of a fresh grapefruit or a half fresh grapefruit. You can indeed. Yeah. Which would yeah. you prefer? <laughs> Neither. I don't like grapefruit. It's like garlic. <laughs> okay. Um, so we'll set a puzzle at the, or, or, or maybe more than one, at the end of this session. But today we're going to talk about books other than the ones we've co-written. We've num written a number of books together and they've been great fun. And we've discussed some of those. But we've also written a number of books uh, on our own. How many have you written, Des? I think I've written about 70 at this stage. They're not all good, but they're they're all written. <laughs> yeah, so I've written about half a dozen. And yeah. um, we're going to talk about some of mine today, and then we'll talk about some of yours in the next episode, Des. Um, so one of your books is called How to Be a Brilliant Thinker. Yes, and, indeed. Um, it's certainly a very catchy title because most people would like to be brilliant thinkers, but maybe aren't brilliant thinkers. So who who is this book aimed at? Well, it's not aimed at aspiring geniuses. It's aimed at anyone 
who wants to think better and that's uh, students business people housewives anybody at all who wants to think better and the point of the book i think is that most people stop developing their thinking when they leave school and in school you're forced to think in in different ways but once you leave school you tend to think in the same lazy patterns and you fall into thinking errors and i liken it to somebody who plays tennis and they develop a very good forehand but they they, they don't never hardly ever use their backhand they never volley mm. they never go to the net so if they stay on the baseline they can get the ball back and they can play a competent game of tennis but if they developed a range of other shots they'd be much much better and it's the mm -hmm. same with us if if your thinking is generally analytical logical thinking you'll be do much better to develop your creative thinking mm -hmm. skills your lateral thinking skills uh, your mathematical thinking skills your visual thinking skills and i give very simple tips and examples in the book as to how to do this now we have to define our terms so what do you mean by a brilliant thinker how would you describe a brilliant thinker Ah, well, that's that's subjective, isn't it? So a brilliant thinker is someone who has brilliant thoughts, I would say, uh, and can express them and communicate them because there's no good having great thoughts if you can't actually convey them to other people. Um, and a brilliant thought might just be, uh, you know, a brilliant idea about where to go on holiday or how to uh, teach children uh, um, uh, some difficult concept or something else. It doesn't have to be uh, nuclear physics. Um, it, it can be anything where you're trying to find a better way to solve a problem or to get a message across. What's stopping people from being brilliant thinkers all the time? Well, there's a number of things, I think. I think it's limiting themselves to uh, restricted ways of thinking. Um, it's self-limiting beliefs. You meet people who say, well, I can't do mathematics. I, I never liked it at school, I don't do that. It's things like the availability bias uh, or mistaking the cause, uh, seeing a correlation where there isn't one, uh, the gambler's fallacy, the confirmation bias, uh, any other cognitive biases limit us in various ways. And you see this time and time again, people making these mistakes on the radio and, and on TV uh, and, and thinking in restricted ways and not really looking at the broad mm. picture. And also people react very emotionally sometimes and don't think logically. Some people think too logically and never creatively. Some people mm. think very emotionally and, and not logically. How about fear? I mean, are people afraid of actually being brilliant thinkers? I think so, it's yes. Their, it's, maybe it's outside their comfort zone to think new thoughts. That's right. And uh, it's comfortable to stay where you are and to stay with the same things and not to introduce new ideas and not to challenge your current thinking. Uh, and a really important thing is to be open-minded and to be ready to accept new mm. ideas, new possibilities. Mm. But very often you see a new idea that we had the phenomenon in the UK recently where somebody suggested a super league uh, for football teams and the reaction was hostile and negative and largely irrational. I mean, I mean, maybe it was a good idea, maybe it was a bad idea, but it wasn't considered in any fair way. It was howled down by commentators uh, and, and politicians leapt on the bandwagon. Everyone said, what a terrible idea that anyone should alter what we do with the game of uh, football. It's been around for years and we should keep it exactly the way it was. How would you summarize that book? I mean, what are the main ideas in How to Be a Brilliant Thinker? It's about finding different ways to use your brain. The brain's an amazing organ. It's got millions of neural network connections. It fires up the moment uh, you wake up uh, in the morning and it operates at full capacity right up until you get to the office or mm. school.
and then it stops. <laughs> you go into you go into normal mode. You go into a steady state where you think the way you've always done things. This book helps you with verbal thinking, mathematical thinking, emotional intelligence, winning arguments, uh, maximizing the use of your memory. Everyone can develop their memory to be much more effective. How to do some lateral thinking, creative thinking, how to analyze problems. Uh, it covers a lot of different things in a very easy to absorb way. It's not too demanding. It's, it's not too academic or uh, intellectual. It's a book that anyone can pick up and dip into. And I think it will help them to think better. Mm. My, my hero, George Boole, once said that the human brain was the most complicated piece of matter in the universe. Well, that we know of anyway. And modern scientists seem to verify that it's extraordinarily complicated. And it's quite amazing that we're all carrying around within our heads this fantastic machine. It is so, a fantastic machine. And it's we're getting to understand it more and more, but it's still very little understood. And, and a concept like consciousness, how, how can you develop something from bits of matter which can be aware of itself? Because there's no yeah. computer yet which has consciousness. And yet every human seems to have it. Anyway, enough of that book. Okay, let's let's move on. Um, the next book we want to talk about is how to think like an innovator. So yes. how does an innovate how does an innovator think? So I uh, think like an innovator is a book I wrote recently. It's published by Pierce and the first one how to be a brilliant thinker is published by Kogan Page. And in uh, think like an innovator I tell the stories of 76 different innovators. And I try to draw out some lessons about how they approach problems that we can use uh, as everyday mortals. So we're not as clever as Michelangelo or Galileo or Beethoven, but we can learn something from them. And we can use that to, to help us think better as innovators. And innovators generally are rebels. They are uh, contrarian thinkers. They challenge assumptions and they therefore come up with the radical ideas which are often unpopular initially. Do, do all these 76 uh, innovators play trombones, for example? Uh, none of them plays the trombone, <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> Miles Davis is in there and he was a jazz trumpeter. But <laughs> I don't think we've got any trombonist. Why do you so, ask? Well, 76 trombones. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you always just have an association with a number, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Numbers and humour, yeah. Yeah. So what, 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 what makes them different? I mean, are they like you and me? Are they male, female, young, old, of some nationality or what? Or is it something just human? Um, there are various nationalities and, and there are men and women. There are more men than women. Uh, and we could go into the reasons for that, uh, probably cultural reasons. But there are quite a few women in there. Marie Curie is the only person to win two Nobel Prizes in two different uh, disciplines. Uh, physics and chemistry. She's in there. Anita Roddick, who founded The Body Shop, is in there. Oprah Winfrey, who founded a huge media empire, is in there. Uh, even Madonna is in there. Um, uh, Hedy Lamar, the great actress, I think uh, she's in there as well. So we've, we've got various uh, women in there. We've got nationalities, uh, all sorts of different nationalities, Chinese. Uh, I wrote a, a blog last week about two great French innovators, Louis Braille and Gustave Eiffel. And they both are towering figures in the, the 19th century. Uh, Gustav Did, Eiffel was literally a towering figure. Towering figure. Right. Um, yeah. he, he also designed the Statue of Liberty, didn't he? He also designed the Statue of Liberty as well as the Eiffel Tower. And when he um, proposed the Eiffel Tower, it was for the centenary of the French Revolution. The French Revolution was 17. 
89 and they wanted to do something to market after 100 years and he proposed a building which was bigger than anything else much much bigger than anything else that's ever been built in the history of mankind much much bigger than any other building and um it was a very uh, a radical idea and it was opposed uh, by 300 eminent people Guy de Maupassant lots of others lined up against it and said it was a monstrosity and it would uh, ruin the Paris uh, skyline and, mm -hmm. and it would be hideous yeah. Yeah. And one of the ways he overcame this objection was to say, well, it's only temporary. It's just for the <laughs> exhibition. And then we can take it down if you don't like it. And, and yeah. it, by using that stratagem, he was able to overcome it. And of course, it's been there ever since. And it's become yes. a symbol of Paris. I think it was originally known as the Awful Tower, wasn't it? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> OK, so let's move on to your third book now that we're going to talk about today, The Leader's Guide to Lateral Thinking Skills. Now, we've done a lot of lateral thinking together, but it's probably a new idea to actually develop lateral thinking skills. I mean, most people talk about them and what they are, but how do you actually develop them in people? So why, yes. and, and why, why do leaders do need people need them? Yeah. So um, there are techniques you can use and there are methods you can uh, adopt to develop your skills at lateral thinking. Everyone can be a lateral thinker. Most children are very lateral thinkers. They see radical ways to solve problems and you give them a puzzle and they're all over it, coming at it from different directions. Uh, a lot of adults get into comfortable ways of thinking, standard routines, and you give them something which just seems odd and they struggle with it. Uh, and once they make an assumption about what's going on, it's very difficult to dislodge them from that assumption. And we see isn't this time and time again. Isn't there also educational conditioning? Like if you send somebody into a laboratory to do an experiment, you don't send them in to find the result of the experiment. You send them in to verify what's in the manual. So people become just trying to reproduce exactly what's in the educational system already. So they stop thinking for themselves. They stop. For example, they think that Newton's seven colors and the rainbow. Some people have great difficulty in seeing indigo and they wonder if it's in there. But, but you go in there and you say there are seven colors in the rainbow because seven is a magic number and Newton was a bit of a magician. So yes. you, you've got a lot of condi educational conditioning in there. Well, as you say, experiment means trying something new, finding something out. But the purpose of most experiments in the school laboratory is to confirm something that's already in the textbook. And this goes along with secondary school education. Very often is there is a set answer to any question. If you learn the right answer, you will pass the exam, you'll get a grade A, you'll get into college or university. And, and we don't encourage people to think there are multiple answers different answers uh, to, to, to various questions. Uh, um, and that's one of the things that I encourage, uh, would, would mm. encourage everyone to do. One of my favorite examples is the supermarket owner who noticed that when shopping baskets were filled, people stopped buying. So he invented the supermarket trolley. Now that's a nice little clever piece of lateral thinking that took off very, very quickly. So can you give us some more examples of lateral thinking examples and skills? Well, that's a very pertinent example you raise, and, and it raises the, the, the uh, topic of the supermarket itself. You know, until the 1920s, all shops were like Victorian shops. You'd go in and the assistant would serve you and you'd um, ask for some butter and some eggs and some milk. And the assistant would go and get them and bring them to you and serve you. And then they'd serve the next person in the queue. And it was a slow, laborious process. And then a man called Michael Cullen in New York said, what would happen if we turn the shop around? 
and we let the customers serve themselves, help themselves to the goods, and then pay once they've collected all the goods. And I'll bet the experts said that's a terrible idea. Uh, mm. People will get confused. You have to put prices on everything. Uh, they'll be wandering around the back of the store, and, and uh, anything could happen. And he said, no, he created the world's first supermarket, the King Cullen store in New Jersey. And, you know, it's a very simple idea. Turn the shop around, and it's transformed the way we shop. And it's a lateral, mm. it's an example of lateral thinking in business finding a different way to do things well we've covered three books from paul how to be a brilliant thinker think like an innovator and the leader's guide to lateral thinking skills and i promise you if you read those books they will affect you they're not just books to for enjoyment and entertainment which they are but you will actually learn something from them so i feel a joke coming on now. i've got a new joke for you oh, i can't right wait wait what's the joke you've got for us this week uh, des last night three fellows tried to get into my car but i beat them off with a baseball bat Sometimes I think I'm just not cut out to be a taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I just like the looks on the face of these three guys. They want to go home. They want a beautiful time. And they get attacked by this maniac with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of this the taxi driver who was who was fired because he always went the extra mile for his customers. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That's the trouble of telling a good joke. It reminds the other guy of another one. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I've got a syllogism as well. Now, you know, this is a syllogism. And it says, I'm a nobody. Nobody's perfect. Therefore, I'm perfect. <laughs> and you can't fault the logic of that. You can't, you see. That's the trouble. But it's all linguistic. And uh, you could almost write a book on philosophy about that particular little uh, set of propositions. And it reminds me of the... the um... The syllogism about governments and, and whenever there's a crisis, what they say is we've got to do something. This is something. Therefore, we've got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way politicians think, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes it is. Yes. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and there's a strong case often for doing nothing. Uh, but people demand action. People want to see action. But sometimes the best action yeah. is to wait and see and do nothing. That's it. Um, so I've got a puzzle for listeners this week. And um, it's, a, it's one of my favorite puzzles. And it goes like this. There is a town in England and as you approach, it disappears. Where is it? There's a town in England, and as you approach, it disappears. Um, uh, it's in the east of England, I'll give you that clue, but it's a real town. Uh, do you know that one, Des? No, I don't, I haven't heard that before. Oh, you gotta, a good one. I live sleepless nights now with that one. And I've, I've been to this town, actually. And as I, Did you <laughs> disappear? True, as you approach, it disappears. <laughs> uh, uh, do you have a puzzle for the listeners? No, not this week. I'll All right, yeah, we've well, got plenty to chew on, I think. And uh, in our next uh, episode, I'll give you the, the answer to that, uh, the, the town in England. And also, we'll look at some of Desi's books. So you have to choose a limited selection from the many you've written. Will mm -hmm. that be a tough mm -hmm. challenge? No, not, not really. Puzzles and jokes and things like that are easy to pick, you know. I've written some serious books as well, and I wouldn't want to lower the tone of our podcast by mentioning those. <laughs> well, it does have the title Desperate and Appalling, so uh, we tend to stick to uh, to the more lighthearted stuff. But uh, we'll look at your books in the next episode. And uh, meanwhile, we'll sign off here, I think. Thank you very much. Bye. <laughs>